1: That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver, coming to you live 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, MixCloud, oh, and a host more. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one numero uno podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, and number two caregiver podcast on Spot, number two tries harder, and number two podcast on CaringVillage.com. Now, we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Ron Kaiser is with us today on how to age without fear, and that's a good topic because every now and then I just look in the mirror and I say, "Mount, you are not 21 anymore, young man. And things hurt and things ache, but it's tempting to succumb to that. But Ron is going to show us how we can fight it and win. So before we get started, I want to thank my last week's guest, Armena Kesheshian. She's the founder and CEO of Wealth and Wellness Global, a coaching company that encourages living abundantly, with her core values being to empower, enlighten, and build together we build a hopeful community. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews, including this one at caregiverdave.com or any of the other 26 global networks I mentioned earlier. Um, Okay, enough of that. Ron, welcome to the Caregiver Dave show. We're so excited to have you
0: on. Thanks for having
1: me, Dave. I'm a fan of your show and I'm excited to be here. A fan. We always like fans. (laughs) Why don't you tell me just who is Ronald Kaiser and why was he placed on this here earth?
0: Well, I'm not sure that I can tell you why I was placed here, but I can tell you what I've been doing since I've been here. Uh, I'm a positive health psychologist. I've spent much of my career working with headache patients uh, at the Jefferson Headache Center, which is a world famous center for the treatment of headache. Mm -hmm. I've also, again, because of my positive psychology orientation in the past few years, really transitioned over to doing more work with people who are my contemporaries, those who are in the second half century of life. (laughs) I've just kind of seen too many of them not handle it in the, the best, most effective and healthiest way, which means that it isn't a whole lot of fun to grow old unless you own the aging process and that's that's my goal. Well, and you've got to tell us how old you are, if you don't mind me asking. Sure, as I kind of indicate, I'm in the second half century of life. I am 84.
1: Wow, God bless you. I hope I'm looking that good when I'm 84. Oh, you will. I'm not you too will. far behind you. I'm uh I'm going to be 68 in uh January next month, a few weeks. Great.
0: great. happy for you. How do you feel? feel great. Yeah. No aches and pains? Nothing hurts? Well, I think part of the aging process is you get some aches and pains. I think the critical thing is that you don't make them the center of your life. That's right. Well,
1: let's, let's get into the questions here. Describe, you wrote a book, it's called Rejuvenaging. Great title. Uh, Describe your concept of that and how does it relate to the caregiving experience? Sure.
0: Rejuvenating is defined as the art and science of growing older with enthusiasm.
1: It's a science, huh?
0: (laughs) Draw upon science as well as personal experiences and experiences of people that I know. Um, The key... Mindset term is enthusiasm, because the reality is that historically people have looked at old age as being something to kind of not get enthused about. You know, the the role models that we've had just were we're old people. And yeah. my general assumption is that if we do some of the right things in a few main areas in the health and fitness area in the social connectedness area and keeping the mind active, then, you know, all bets are off. We can age with enthusiasm, with better health, without uh, fearing cognitive decline, things of that nature. So I think for the caregivers, it's very important to recognize that, again, if we can approach the fact that we're on earth to function in a particular way, we can either be enthusiastic about it or consider it a burden. And if you recognize that everything that you're doing has the potential for being treated with enthusiasm or with a negative mindset, then you can begin to process the notion that, hey, caregiving can be done with enthusiasm. Caregiving can be a reciprocal kind of uh, situation in which we get something back from the care that we give, as well as providing care that enables us to become better versions of ourselves.
1: That's a good, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, now, you developed the concept of goal-achieving psychology. Is it particularly relevant to caregiving?
0: Sure. Of course, you're asking somebody who's biased. I think it's particularly <laughs> relevant to a lot you, of things. You've been a caregiver before, have you? Yeah, I've basically been very lucky in this regard in that I've done more coaching of caregivers than having to do so myself. I uh, My parents both lived to ripe old ages with very short terms of uh, decline, and, and they never cognitively declined. My mother-in-law went through a lengthier period of decline, and while my wife was the primary caregiver... Uh, I was working alongside her. I, I, I didn't take know, the brunt. Yeah. So I, I've, I've experienced that. But working with headache patients, uh, many people who have chronic headaches, uh, it really becomes a family-related issue. In other words, if you have chronic debilitating headaches and can't work or can't go to school, or you like are
1: migraines.
0: Yeah, migraines, it could be uh, tension type headaches, chronic daily headaches, any of a number of kinds of of disorders of that type. It's very easy to build your life around that, which means that the caretakers have to adapt to it in some way. And as you know, in all aspects of of caregiving, that you want to be able to achieve that balance of helping the person without making the person less competent than they are. Uh, And, you know, that's, that's a very critical factor. So with goal achieving psychology, the way that I think it's particularly relevant to caregiving is if you have goals, if you set out this week uh, that this is what I'm going to do both for myself And this is, you know, what I'm going to try to help my person uh, accomplish. And, you know, again, we're talking about a broad range of people who uh, who have to uh, get care, but, you know, is it something where you can read to them? Is it something where you can encourage them to get out of bed? Things of this nature. But it's much more likely to happen if you set structured goals that you're going to do, as opposed to saying, "Well, if it's a good day, maybe we can do this." So, I, <laughs> the the goal the goal of goal achieving psychology is to own the process, to set the goal, and you can always, um, if you can't do it, if if the person is too ill or having a bad day, you can't do it. But the default should be to activity once you have the goal set.
1: Yeah. Now, what do you define as an older adult? Just curious.
0: Well, I think oh. chronological age is not the best definition. <laughs> uh, I do think anywhere from uh, the 50s on is a time when some people start fitting the criteria for older <laughs> adults. But I, I, my general thought is that usually uh, you can be pretty active uh, even without w- without forcing it too much. Throughout the first seven decades of life, Hmm. uh, I think at at this point, there may be some people who are old at 55 or 60, uh, but there, there are a lot of people who are maintaining a high activity level beyond. But I do think that, you know, when you get to the 70s or so on, then, yeah, aches and pains are part of some things. You may feel a decline in um, mental or physical activities. And you also experience some things that kind of remind you that you're old, like people uh, who are your contemporaries becoming very ill or or passing. All
1: your friends are dying, and you're you're wondering when your number is going to come up next. It's yeah. worry worrisome, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, do, unless you're going to do some things to upset those <laughs> odds.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially that. Um, so you know, most caregivers are women. Most caregivers are over fifty, up to seventy-five. I don't, I don't know if I've ever met one uh, as old as eighty. Usually, they need the care. I always tell people, you know, you're either going to become a caregiver, or you're going to need one you know there's no escaping it uh it's inevitable but uh there are special challenges when an older person is uh caring for another older person what what uh
0: what would those challenges be now, there are a number of them i think one is the very fact that you're dealing with somebody who maybe a kind of a mirror image of yourself, (laughs) that if in fact you're caring for somebody who's your contemporary, uh, that puts you in touch with with your own mortality, your own uh, uh, age, and and some of the things that come with it. So they're a
1: reminder that you could be looking in the mirror.
0: Right. And so the important thing is to glance at the mirror, but not spend a whole lot of time in in front of it, that basically, yeah, it's one of the factors, but it shouldn't be the defining factor. The other thing is, you know, realistically, I mean, I can't uh, run as fast as I used to when I was younger. Uh, There, uh, I might need more sleep. Uh, You know, there, there are certain things that, you know, our energy levels are uh, reduce somewhat but that's why it's important to set goals and work on them so and, and i think that that the other uh factor is uh for for some people who are caregivers but in the in the older age ranges again 60 70 whatever we may want to think about they don't have the the exact same experience they may mm-hmm. be looking in the mirror uh so for a lot of them they You know, the notion of uh, caring for somebody, uh, that's a a rough balance to play. You know, do we treat them like somebody who isn't going to get better? Or is there some potential for movement in the right direction? And I think that's, uh, you know, an important thing. In addition to all the things that caregivers at every age have to deal with, overload, uh, you know, not all people who are being cared for are always that nice to the caregiver. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. And at a time when some of us may be running out of patients, that may be a little harder to take.
1: Yeah. You know, we talk about false hope, um, but I've, I've discovered that most people and remember caregivers used to be people before they were caregivers, <laughs> as long as they stop not being a person but, uh, most of them are responsible for their own situations. Now, not all of them, but, uh, I always like to say if you're just positive, chances are there's at least a 50% chance that that positive is going to, to come to you. You know, the law of, uh, of attraction. But if you're negative, uh, I say there's a hundred percent chance that that negativity will attract you. So I mean I like those odds. Even if I went to Las Vegas, if I had a fifty percent odds of of winning something, uh, and another crap table had a hundred percent odds of losing every time, guess which table I'd go to. So what? Yeah, and- what determines that? I mean, we can't guarantee that that having a positive attitude is going to uh, make all your dreams come true, but it
0: sure does help, doesn't it? Absolutely, and actually. This reminds me of my, my first book that I wrote is called What Can Go Right? Uh, <laughs> the Thinking Person's Guide to Making Good Things Happen. And it came about in my work with patients <laughs> and with caregivers of headache patients and so on. Uh, when we would talk about challenges that they might face and I'd ask, you know, what can go right? And it was almost like a trick question for many <laughs> of them. They, you know, thought, well, I can, uh, I never thought of it, or I can tell you what can go wrong. Or did you mean to ask what can go wrong or something like that? Uh, so that the very fact that we don't think in those terms right. is, is pretty uh, important and, and pretty much of a statement. I've never been uh, one to, to totally understand why I know there are some people who say, well, I think the worst. So then if something good happens, I'll be surprised. Um, yeah,
1: no, their name is Murphy.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. the, the reality is, you know, there's no downside to, you know, ex- acknowledging that something can, can go wrong, but to thinking better. And, you know, you use the analogy of the odds. And the the point is that we're really playing with house money with with those kinds of odds. In other words, to just think about right. what can go right. Or to at least consider it or stay positive uh, doesn't cost any more than to make ourselves miserable and negative in the process. And a byproduct is we do know that positive thinkers, uh, that they have a greater chance of making some brain chemistry changes that can actually help to ward off Alzheimer's uh, and some of the other forms of dementia.
1: Yeah, well, not only does the positive attitude make you happier, and that's always a good thing, but uh, it's scientifically proven that our subconscious you know is kind of stupid. It doesn't know what reality is except what you tell it. If you tell it uh, all the time, negative things, oh, I'm going to lose this job, oh, uh, I just know I'm going to get the flu, I know I'm going to get COVID, uh, your subconscious kind of has a power to make things that you want happen. And if you want a bunch of negative stuff, well just wait it will become a self-fulfilling
0: prophecy. Um, Absolutely and and the the other thing that I think we can't lose sight of is if we're a caregiver there's somebody who's watching us and being influenced by our thinking and the reality is that the worst thing that you can do for somebody who you're a caregiver for is to be a voice of gloom regardless <laughs> of how you're feeling.
1: Right. And of course, they just think they're being a realist because they see this sick person they're caring for. And maybe the doctor didn't give them much hope. But how many times has the doctor been wrong? Uh, I've met so many people who says, yeah, the doctor only gave me three months and I'm still here 13 years later. Right? Mm-hmm. I know you've heard that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, the reality is, is time is on everyone's side. I mean, there are new advances being made every day. I know in our field, in, in the headache field, there are all kinds of treatments that weren't available years before that that enable people to function appropriately in uh, the geriatric field uh the, the cognitive decline area there there are medications and exercises, and things that we know about leading your life in certain ways that can doesn't guarantee anything but can improve the odds of you know, living to a li- uh, ripe old age, getting better, uh, and enjoying life more.
1: Yeah, my co-host Adrian Guberg, uh, I think you've you've met her. Maybe you did in New York. She has a lot of migraines all her life since she was little, and but there's so much better now because there's medications now to help that. And so, uh, thank God for science. Thank God for new medications, uh, breakthrough uh, therapies, etc. So you're um you're 84 years old. Um what's your secret? How do you keep going? You've got a twinkle in your eye and a I haven't seen you walk, but I bet you've got a uh a uh what's the word? A something in your step, a a, well, a hop in your step. I
0: don't know, but it's it's all me that's stepping there. All you. It's not a walker yeah. cane or something like that. Um <laughs> uh, but I, I think there is a... Uh, Diet, exercise, uh, we know yeah. your frame of mind. Yeah, I think the mindset is, is an important thing. I think that uh, there are basically uh, three main areas uh, that I've kind of divided up into, uh, into four uh, that promote positive aging and promote growth throughout life. I think that what are they? Uh, if you are number one, paying attention to keeping the mind active. Mm. That, uh, that
1: is important.
0: Yeah. that And for some people, you know, their jobs may provide a lot of that for some that may not. And for some it may have at one time, but then got boring. So I think learning novel activities and, and, and you know, reading different kinds of books, doing things that kind of keep the, the mind active is one, the intellectual functioning. Another is the social connected area that if we stay socially connected. We have friendships, a little harder with the pandemic and all, but if we maintain those relationships, uh, that's very important. There's a lot of research that indicates that loneliness in in the older age ranges are associated kind of the equal of smoking uh, obesity and a sedentary lifestyle in terms of being longevity reducers and then there's a health and fitness area which I kind of break up into two one is the diet area to, or what I call healthy eating to basically uh, you know there, there's there's no great secret uh, these days there we know that it's a lot healthier to eat certain foods than not. It's a lot healthier to uh, limit the amount that you eat and so on. Uh, And then exercise, which I kind of are owning your body, which I kind of break down into exercise is probably the major thing, but also it includes getting adequate sleep. Uh, I like meditation or yoga or some form of kind of relaxation or cooling down of the body and just general stress management. And so I've kind of come up with the concept of what I call a four-legged stool, the, the three legs being intellectual, functioning, health, and fitness, and, uh, and social connectedness. And then the fourth le- uh, leg is your own uniqueness. So the fact is it's not a one size fits all kind of thing so that, you know, the, what, the exercise that I may utilize may not be appropriate for you, but the important thing is to get out and get some exercise uh, several times a week. Um, you know, the uh, there are ways of eating healthy with uh, if you're a vegan or if you're a meat eater, there are ways in which you can adjust kinds of things. So the, you don't want to do self-shaming about anything, but you do want to be able to say, Hey, there are things that we keep doing that can enhance our longevity. And once you have the mindset that living longer and living healthy is better than not, then it's a it's a no-brainer to incorporate some yeah. of those activities.
1: Tell us about your experience with caregiving, just so people can relate to you as sure. one of them. Sure.
0: Uh, Well, as I said, I was kind of fortunate in that I didn't have to deal with caregiving with my parents for uh, very long. And I and actually whatever caregiving uh, there was fell largely to my brother and sister-in-law who lived in the same city when I didn't. uh, So aside from that, I've had, you know, some short term direct experiences. Did you ever had surgery? Did you
1: ever suffer burnout or anything like that?
0: You know that's uh a, a hard thing for me to relate to because I I just really number one I tend just to have work a great attitude. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to work pretty hard. Number two, my work has always involved being with with people and helping people and you know I I still, you know, do work full time plus at this age. Uh so the the notion of uh you know I I know it's a real thing uh but that's why I think it's so important to, you know, eat healthy, get sleep, exercise and so on, uh, because if caregiving or any one thing becomes the way you define yourself and you don't allow uh, time for for me type of activities, that I think en- enhances the chances of burnout.
1: Yeah, well, it's not just uh, caregiving that people burn out from, they burn out from work, they burn out from relationships, etc., and you know, ten percent of them don't. Thirty uh, percent of them die before the loved ones do from the stress. About fifty or sixty percent will uh, become hospitalized because of the stress and uh, need a caregiver of their own. About ten of them, ten percent, are are healthy. Kind of like a mindset like yourself, and they know what to do. You know, they're they're uh, they're caregivers all the time. And it sounds like you are enjoy you enjoy helping people. That means you are a caregiver. To anybody and anyone who crosses your path, you know, you're there to help. So you're kind of used to it and you're kind of used to what works and what doesn't work.
0: Yeah, Um, and I know there are no guarantees that situations won't change and that I may need caregiving and so on. But I uh, believe there's no downside to trying to be the best version of yourself uh, as long as you can and be able to help people. Uh, as long as you can.
1: So what advice would you give to these these people who just all of a sudden became a caregiver overnight? You know, it's not on their resume. They didn't even um, have a chance to say yes or no. It's like, you're the one because your brother is in Seattle and, and uh, she, uh, mom doesn't like your sister. And so you're the one that she chose. You're the chosen one. What advice can you give for
0: the chosen one? That's a great question because nobody studies for or plans for or prepares to be in that role, uh, you know, unless you've been in a situation where you've had, say, uh, ailing parents or sibling throughout, throughout your life, but, but most people are kind of thrust into that role. And what I always encourage people to do, and again, I've used this with caregivers for my headache patients and, and others, um is remember that it's always better to do prevention than to do crisis management. Mm -hmm. So when you're put into that role to recognize, hey, this is a role that I've been put into, uh, it's going to be something that I have to do. It's, you know, it's kind of like taking, uh, when I was in college, uh, taking a statistics class. If I wanted to achieve my goal, I had to take it whether I liked it or not. Uh, so I better start liking it and seeing what I can do. So I think, number one, that that uh, it's something that you consider as part of yourself, not your total definition, and it's not a sentence. In other words, I think if you can begin to recognize that the caregiver gets things back from the, the care that they give, I. Th- Uh, I I kind of like, uh, while I recognize the term caregiver is is an appropriate one, I kind of like kind of um, sort of a reciprocal care manager role that, you know, essentially you're managing it, but, you know, it's the same kind of thing as people experience with pets, with uh, young kids, with Down syndrome kids, and so on, that the, if you enter it with the right attitude, the thing you get back from them is really, uh, you know, very helpful for your own development. And if you take it with a positive attitude, you got a lot better chance of affecting some some positive experience in, in the person who you're caring for. So yeah. treat it preventively, not as a drudgery and not as a crisis.
1: Well, in the next couple of minutes, uh, let's talk about your book and how they can get it and uh, what you hope people will get out of it.
0: Sure. Okay, well, the book is called Rejuvenating, which is a term that I uh, trademarked and registered. Uh, And again, it's defined as the art and science of growing older with enthusiasm. I have seven keys and 77 different behaviors uh, in in there. My seven keys are uh, most of the ones that I've talked about Uh, It starts with the mindset, then rejuvenates the intellect. Then we talk about healthy eating, about owning your body, Uh, the uh, notion of staying socially connected. Uh, The sixth is doing good because it's not, which incidentally, you know, is is something the caregivers uh, automatically are put in the positions of. And and there's a good lot of science that indicates that, when you do good for other people the 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 gains health wise brain wise and otherwise uh come back at you uh and and affect, uh, affect you positively and then appreciating the good that permeates the world and i know that uh and and permeates your life and i know that sometimes that's a challenge uh, 20 and uh twenty and twenty one two thousand twenty and twenty one have Set a a low bar, but let's enter the next year looking as uh, to to you know really gain and and appreciate the good that permeates the life. Uh, As I said, there's 77 different behaviors among those keys, and one of those is uh, the idea of growing old early. Start growing old by incorporating these behaviors into your life. Mm. So that, again, you're doing it developmentally, preventively. You're not waiting until it's a lot harder to do because uh, you're not used to it and your body and mind isn't uh, behaving the way that you would like it to.
1: And for those of you who don't think that uh, an 84 or an 89-year-old guy can uh, have a great life, my aunt is 84, and she just met an 89-year-old boyfriend and uh, they both live in an independent living situation. They're both having a great time. They're in love. They're calling each other fiance because, you know, you can't get married when you're older. You'll lose all your money. Uh, that's the way the government has it all. So good for you. Good for them. And uh, we should all be so lucky as to live like we're teenagers when we're in our 80s and 90s. Yeah, so, it's
0: not too early for them to plan their 100 birthday
1: right. parties. That's right, start eating right, Start exercising. You know people don't get old overnight. Uh, it takes a long time to get uh overweight and to get uh plaque in your arteries and to get you know diabetes. uh It starts when when you're in your fifties, taking care of yourself. So thank you for the encouragement. I appreciate you coming on the show. It was a great show. Um, how can uh, people get a hold of you if they wanted to speak to you or ask you some
0: questions? Have an email? Um, or? Sure. My website is The Mental Health Gym. That's G-Y-M. Uh, and uh, you can reach me at ron.kaiser. That's K-A-I-S-E-R right. at the mentalhealthgym.com. And the book is available uh, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And, and if you're having a hard time, then get in touch with me. We'll figure out a way to get it, too. All right. Well, thank you again. And
1: again, reminder, all our live shows become recorded podcasts and videocasts on our platforms mentioned before. And don't forget to check out my membership website, caregiverdave.com. It's a free membership support community, lots of tools, resources, free gifts. Well, and please click the like button below on whatever platform you're watching or listening this interview on. It helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google search engine algorithms. So again, to all my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. And making us number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel. Bye-bye. Anytime we suffer loss, we grieve. And a lot of people don't realize what even the grief process is. But it could be five to seven steps ranging from denial. I don't believe this is happening. Anger. Oh my gosh I'm so upset this is happening to a form of bargaining how can I get out of this to depression which is a very serious thing because that often leads to suicide and then finally finally after you realize you have no more control over your situation and you're totally okay with the new normal that it brings that wonderful wonderful place called acceptance